The Z-Ball podcast is a casual conversation that occasionally delves into mature subjects and may contain vulgar adult language. Listener discretion is advised. Welcome to the Z-Ball Podcast. I'm Zeeshan Khan. The NBA season has just began today, and uh, I'm beginning a yearly tradition, what I hope to be a yearly tradition, of choosing the over-unders for every team in the NBA. And uh, tonight, we'll start with the Eastern Conference, and uh, joining me to get into all these over-unders, diehard Boston Celtics fan from Pasadena, California, we have Akshay. What's up, Akshay? How are you? What's up, dog? Uh, Pretty good, man. Doing well. Uh, well, opening night just ended. A uh, couple of exciting games. Uh, really surprised to see the Warriors go down as bad as they did. So, but with that being said, uh, we're going to go into the Eastern Conference over unders, and we're going to begin with the in the Atlantic Division with your Boston Celtics, the first team we're going to look at. What do you think? Over under fifty one and a half wins. I'm going over, dog. I have to go over Boston Celtics. I say about a good fifty five wins. This- 55, 56 wins. Um, most people are saying uh, about 50 wins, but I'm going by 55, 56 because uh, a lot of people don't uh, are underestimating this team. Uh, they were very good last year, and now with the pickup of Al Horford, I think they're going to be a much better team. They have uh, they're a, a defensive first team. They have all players that can play defense, and now with Horford, they have uh, a true. Uh, um, what do you call that? True star player that can match, that can get um, double teams, open up lanes, and so on. So I think they're going to be a surprise team out of the East that can challenge the Cavs this year. Oh, yeah, that's a great point. Uh, I I could definitely see them being a, the one seed in the East, but I don't think they will be. A fifty-one and a half. I think that's about a right number for them. I see them kind of as a. 53-54 win team, so I'm going to agree with you on that as well and go over. Absolutely a big pickup in the offseason that they had with Al Horford. Obviously the big big get for them. But, uh, I mean, obviously uh, Isaiah Thomas, great scoring guard. I think that's really the one flaw for them is having their their, their go-to guy in crunch time situations. Your go-to guy is a five foot nine point guard. So that's, that's kind of really the only thing. But uh, obviously... Great young coach with Brad Brad Stevens. Uh, excellent roster, especially, as you mentioned, defensively. Excellent perimeter wing defenders with Avery Bradley, Jay Crowder, Marcus Smart. And uh, they drafted Jalen Brown, another wing guy who looks to be a great defender. And uh, Al Horford, obviously, is a good defender as well and is a great passing big man, very skilled. So he's going to add a lot of uh, depth and a lot of... Uh, a lot of uh, just veteran presence to their team, and it's going to make them a really good team in the Eastern Conference. I think they're going to be ultimately second place in the East at the end of the at the end of the season. But it wouldn't surprise me one bit if they were the one seed. So I wouldn't surprise either, dog. Because um, what I'm also banking on is depending on how the season goes. When you have the uh, after 
after the All-Star game, we have uh, the trade deadline. Because uh, the Celtics have all these, uh, they have so many number one picks coming up. Next year's draft, they have uh, the Nets pick, they have their own pick, and then they have the, the following draft, they have the Nets pick, they have the Clippers pick in the first round. So I can see something brewing there. And say if there's a, all of a sudden a star player available for trade, I can I can really see them making dude. I can really see Ainge doing something at that at the trade deadline. And the thing is, the Boston Celtics they have the cap to do it. It's not like uh, a lot of the uh, like uh, a lot of other teams they're already maxed out on cap wise. I know the the salary cap has risen, but they've already pretty much maxed out on it. Like Cleveland and uh, Golden State and so on. Boston still has room to grow, you know? So I, I could definitely see something happening with at least one of those picks. Not the, not the next uh, first-round pick next year, because that's a very valuable pick, but I can see possibly the Celtics pick or, and the Clippers pick in 2018. Yeah, for sure. I mean, uh, Celtics definitely have a, a lot of trade assets, and Danny Ainge is always wheeling and dealing, looking to improve the team. And uh, who do you think they would uh, go after with all these assets that they have stockpiled at the trade deadline or or maybe even in the offseason? Well, in the offseason, I know they're going to definitely look at. Uh, I mean, depending on what happens with Golden State this year, you know, because uh, it, it's not a given Durant's going to um, – Durant's on a one-year right now. I mean, on a two-year, I'll opt out after one year. But there's no guarantee he's going to um, – Depending how on the season goes, if he ends up losing, if the Warriors don't win it this year, I can totally see him considered to be, uh, consider other teams to sign with. You know, because I think he's sort of like feeling around the league, trying to trying to determine. Um, I guess what he's just trying to see where's the best fit for him to get a title, and mm-hmm. he can't win it this year. He may not be. I don't know. He, he might just think the West is, is too tough to win. So I mean, I. Can, him, there's uh, rumors going around, and I mean, San Antonio just beat uh, uh, Golden State, dominating them, you know, so there's rumors about uh, the Marcus Aldridge possible trade, who knows where that's going to end up, I mean, there's um, there's uh, Anthony Davis, you know, from uh, New Orleans, who knows what could happen there, because uh, New Orleans is always in the rebuild, at this state, you never know at this time, you know, what can happen. I mean, especially down the road at that time, who knows? They might just say, okay, we need to go into an automatic rebuild again. And they would love to have one of the Celtics' top picks. So, so you got to see what happens, you know. Okay. Yeah, I mean, it'll be interesting to see how Boston uh, reacts with all the assets they have stockpiled at the deadline or in the 2017 offseason. But with that, we'll agree on that one. We both think over 51 and a half. And the next team we'll take a look at is in the Atlantic Division will be the Brooklyn Nets. Over under 22 and a half wins. What do you think? I'm going under 22 wins. You know, I mean, uh, maybe I'm a little biased because I want Brooklyn to lose as much as possible so the Celtics get uh, a higher pick. But I, I still think they're, they're just too many new players on that team, you know, you have new players, and to them to mesh, and uh, I don't think there's as much talent on that team, and they do play, um, and obviously the Eastern Conference is not that strong as Western, but they do play some quality teams, I just don't see them winning more than, 
I would say, 20 games next year. Yeah, I mean, Celtics fans definitely want Brooklyn to lose as much as possible, just like you stated. But, I mean, over here, I mean, you look at the Brooklyn Nets, terrible team last year. Uh, and coming into this year, they're probably worse. I mean, their best player is Brooke Lopez, who's a seven-foot center and who always developed some sort of foot problem, foot foot injury during the <laughs> during the course of the year. And other than that, I mean, not much really to get excited about other than Jeremy Lin, possibly an, uh, another Lin Sanity sighting in NYC. But other than that, I mean, there's not much here to really look at. I mean, I think the less said, the better about this team. And I think they're going to be under 22 and a half wins as well. I think they're like 17 or 18 probably for them. And I think they're going to be near the bottom of the lottery and the Celtics are going to end up with another good pick. Exactly. That's the way I see it. I think they're going to be probably in the uh, in the top three worst teams in this league at the end of the season. If not number one, in, at least in the top three. Yeah, okay, yeah. Like we said, uh, we'll move on from that one. Not much really there. We'll, we both t- we're both taking the under on that one. And then we'll move across the Brooklyn Bridge to the other side of New York to <laughs> Madison Square Garden and the New York Knicks, who have a lot of expectations coming into this year with their revamped lineup of Derrick Rose, Courtney Lee, Carmelo Anthony, Chris Tapps, Porzingis, and Joachim Noah. Revamped starting lineup, new head coaching hire of from Jeff Hornacek. So uh, over under 40 wins for the New York Knicks. What do you think? I have to go under here, though. I mean, uh, I know the Knicks, uh, they revamped this offseason, but it just comes to see, I, I just think it's... Uh, when you have too many new players coming in, it, it takes time, you know, before they can mesh together, they know each other's game and whatnot. And also, I, I just think it's got, I think they're going to be under. I don't think there's, uh, I don't think they're going to win more than 40. There's no way. I think more like, uh, I would say about 33, 34, maybe. Most. Okay, I mean, yeah, this is a really tough one at 40. I think... But I don't know. I mean, people, a lot of people are really expecting the Knicks to be good, and I, I don't know what I'm missing here. <laughs> I don't know what I'm I just I, I see Derrick Rose who uh, – even at Derrick Rose's peak, I mean, was, was he really like a, a player that well, like you were super scared of? Maybe for one season I, w- I would assume he was, but – I would say for one season, you're right. For one, two seasons you're super scared of. Now, you know, I mean, he's still a great player. Don't get me wrong, but the Knicks are. See, the what the problem with the Knicks is Derrick Rose is older, uh, uh, Noah's older, so it's like they're just one injury away from fading away. You know, especially if Derrick Rose's injury history, if he's if he gets injured, they're they're pretty much uh, going nowhere. Yeah, Derek Rose's injury history, I mean, is obviously very well documented. And even though I mean, he was pretty relatively healthy last year, and he was still very, very, uh, very mediocre. And then Joe Kim Noah, obviously, uh, I believe in 2013 was a legitimate like MVP candidate, was playing very well. But he's also come had a lot of injury issues as well. So who knows if he stays healthy? And then uh, Carmelo, obviously, is still pretty good. I mean, he's not at the peak level he was in when he first joined the Knicks and probably in his later years in Denver. And uh, Chris Stapps Porzingis, obviously, is a young, he's still 21. He's a very uh, promising player on defense and offense. He's going to have a monster year this year. Uh, Porzingis is going to have a great year. 
you know, I think he's just gonna, I think he's gonna be uh, pretty much uh, Carmelo's gonna be obviously Batman. He's gonna be wrong, you know. And uh, I can see in some games, a good amount of games where he takes over as the leading scorer. That's what I think. Okay, yeah, that's a great point. Uh, so four over under forty wins. I'm gonna go push on this one. I think they win just about right. about forty games. But with that being said, uh, you think forty? Uh, you think they get in the playoffs with uh, your prediction? I think they. Um, if they go under thirty five, I think they're borderline. Borderline playoffs, maybe like a uh, a seventh seed, eighth seed. Okay. I would think that. Yeah, that's what I see. If I think if they get to forty wins, which I think they'll get around there, I think they'll be a, around seven or eight. Yeah. But uh, yeah, I mean, I just don't. I don't. I don't. I don't really see it with this team. What I don't know what everyone else is really seeing. So, I guess uh, you'll you'll take the under. I'll take the push on that one, and we'll move into another uh probably terrible team in the Atlantic Division the Philadelphia 76ers over under 25 wins what do you think i'm going uh i'm going to be uh i'm going to say about uh this is a tough one dog because you have i mean they have so many there's so much young talent on uh, i'm still going under 25 but I, i'm saying about like 24 maybe 25 wins right at it you know I don't think they'll go more than that uh, because I think they're still uh, they're still a very young team. They still have to uh, have to uh, be able to work together. But there's so many different like faces coming in, you know. Uh, there's so many different players, so many players, and it it doesn't happen right away, you know. I mean, uh, it takes time for players to mesh together, and I think it's uh, I'm I'm saying about maybe 24, 25 wins, <clears throat> like you said, you know. But I don't think more than that. All right. Yeah. So over under twenty five for me. Uh, I mean, it's definitely devastating to see Ben Simmons go down with that in- the foot injury. I mean, he's going to be out about three months. I I was really looking forward to watching him play, uh, see how he developed in the NBA as a young player in the rookie year. But uh, they seem like they're going to be getting their uh, draft pick from two years ago, Joel Embiid, uh, the center from Kansas, who ha- still has yet to play an NBA game. He's going to be coming back from a foot injury. He's hopefully he can stay healthy because I mean. They haven't really hit on any of these draft picks that they've had thus far. I mean, hope everyone thought Simmons was going to be the one, but he just had an injury, uh, devastating injury. And uh, they got Dario Saric coming over from the European League. Uh, be interesting to see how he fits in there. And uh, Joel Embiid, I mean, Nerlens Noel, Jaleel Okafor, a bunch of young big guys. So I-, I would assume that one of those guys is probably going to be dealt at the trading deadline. I would probably assume so. One of those guys is going to go. Yeah, so uh, with that being said, I think this is a much better team than... I think they'll be a much better team than they were like the last two years. I think I think they'll go over 25 wins. I think they're like a 28-29 win team, but there's still a lot of a lot of room for improvement. And definitely... But I'm, I definitely want to see Ben Simmons at some point. Uh, that's probably the only reason I wanted to watch the Sixers at all this year. But uh, that hope was shattered for me when he went down with a foot injury. So with that being said, uh, we'll move into the last team in the Atlantic Division, the Toronto Raptors, over under 50 and a half wins. What do you think about that? I have to go under 50 wins. Okay. I have to go under. I mean, they're a good team, no doubt. You know, I mean, they, they have a Cal Rowry. 
DeMar DeRozan. I I know they lost. Uh, um, uh, what's that player? I forget his name. Um, they lost some player, but they picked up Jared Solinger. Uh, so I would say they're about 50 wins even, I think. Maybe under, I would say about, uh, I want to say 50, maybe about 48 wins, I think. 48, okay, yeah. I mean, they lost Bismack Biombo. Bismack Biombo, I think that's that's the guy who you're talking about, right? Yeah. That's the guy I was talking about, yeah, Bismack Biombo. Okay, yeah. So i say about 48 wins. That's what I'm. That's what I'm going on. Uh, I don't think they'll be as good as last year, but I think they'll be still up there. And I think they're definitely uh, in the in the top uh, three teams in the East. You know, it's going to be Cleveland, Boston, and, uh, and Toronto uh, in the East. And uh, I think uh, Toronto will be number three. Yeah, uh, depending how Cleveland and Boston go at it, they'll be uh, either one or two. Okay, yeah, I mean, I, I see them as somewhere between a three and a six seed. Somewhere between three and five, actually, in the East. But with that being said, over under 50 and a half, I'm going to agree with you. I'm going to go under as well. I just think uh, they're kind of wearing on the Lowry-DeRozan uh, contingent. I mean, I mean, I just wonder how many years they can go without kind of uh, moving past. And I think I just think the Cavs are too strong for them to even get past past the Cavs and I think I think Boston is even a better team than them so uh I just don't see it uh but with that being said uh, they got all the way to the conference finals last year they pushed Cleveland to six games so I mean that's the farthest they ever got in Raptors history so that's a win uh, and then they drafted Jakob Podol with the 10th pick from uh Utah young young center uh should be interesting to watch how he develops alongside uh backing up uh, Jonas Valanciunas and I always I loved I love Lowry I think he's a really good point guard uh, on both ends and DeRozan obviously I'm biased with that one he's a SC guy I like his style of play as well so uh but with that being said I'm going to go under I think 46 47 wins for this team and I see them somewhere between three and five in the east so with that being said, uh, we'll move into the Central Division, and we'll start off with the defending 2016 NBA champions, the Cleveland Cavaliers, who pretty much have the same roster as last year, and they look to defend their title. And they over under 56 and a half. Your thoughts on that one? I say uh, about 50. <coughs> I'm going to go a under. I'm going to say about uh, 55, 54. But they're going to be right in that in that range. I don't see them winning over 56. I think it's, um, I mean, uh, they definitely uh, have a great team, you know. They won the title last year, and I think that, I just think they are, uh, I think they're a little older team. A year older, you know, I think, uh, I think uh, um, LeBron's all, it's going to be LeBron, you know, that's no doubt. He's gonna do his thing, and I. But it's all gonna have to come down to. Uh, I, uh, LeBron's gonna be LeBron, Irving's gonna be Irving, but it's gonna come down to Love and and the rest of the team. If Love can step up his game like he did in the playoffs and do it for our a whole season, then I can definitely see them going over 56 wins. But I still think that's. I don't think they're gonna do that. I think they're gonna be uh, right at 56, maybe a little under at 54, 55. Okay, yeah, I mean, this is a team that definitely has two under two years under their belt with their core now, and they've gone to the finals both times, and uh, they've won it once. 
obviously the first championship in Cleveland Cavaliers history. And uh, they've developed a lot of continuity, like I mentioned. Uh, LeBron is going to be LeBron. He's going to be great. Kyrie's going to be... Kyrie is a, a lot more confident player now, I believe. And uh, uh, the only problem with his him is his health. As long as he stays healthy, he's going to be there. And uh, Kevin Love, uh, he looks to be getting more a lot more comfortable in his role. And his confidence definitely has to be skyrocketing as well after that lockdown on Stephen Curry and the Game 7 in the NBA Finals. So, I mean, it's almost inevitable to everybody. Everybody's picking the Cavs-Warriors rematch in the 2017 Finals. So, uh, they're well-equipped once again to handle Golden State, especially probably more so now because... Uh, they're gonna. They already dominated on the board them on the boards, and they'll probably dominate them even more on the boards now, given that Golden State lost uh, Bogut and Azili, and uh, they're probably gonna go small, a lot more now. So I mean, they they have uh, obviously Chris Anderson. They acquired uh, Tristan Thompson's a monster on the boards. Kevin Love's a great rebounder. LeBron is always averages somewhere around eight boards a game. So uh, he's all he's always gonna be there. And then, like I said, you can never uh, underestimate the importance of continuity uh, like the Spurs have and stuff. So th that can never be underestimated. And even though Golden State will be a very talented team, they just don't have that continuity yet. But doesn't mean they're not – it's, it's going to be interesting to see who wins the championship. It's Everyone's saying it's inevitable for Golden State, but I don't think we should just write it in right away. I don't think Golden State is so. Uh, I don't know. I mean, I have my uh, my doubts about it. You know, I mean, we can, but maybe maybe talk about that later. But I I, I don't think uh, so. But State because it's like as you mentioned, you know, they can't rebound. You know, they can't rebound. Uh, they have no depth on the team this year. Um, like tonight's game, their their bench didn't didn't do much at all. They got out rebounded today, and then teams that have perimeter defense, perimeter players that don't need to double team. Like you have the Spurs has it, the Cavaliers have it, the Celtics have it. Um, I, I, I'm sure there's other teams that uh, uh, I'm missing those kind of defenders. They'll definitely, uh, they'll definitely have trouble against them. You know, and I think it's like, uh, if they play the Cavaliers, right? Like if, they, if it's the Cavaliers, um, um, Warriors final, they're definitely. I mean, the Cavs are definitely are definitely going to beat them up on the boards. The Cavs will go big and they'll abuse them underneath. You know what I mean? So I don't. I don't know. Maybe that's a different subject. Uh, definitely. Uh, well, you know. <laughs> yeah. I. So yeah. Getting back to the Cavaliers. Uh, kind of. Uh, what, what's your kind of go-to lineup? I mean, biggest game of the season. Gun to your head. I mean, who's the five guys for the Cavs that you're throwing out there? Oh. Definitely gonna have LeBron. You definitely gonna have Irving. You definitely gonna have Love, and uh, probably Tristan Thompson. And uh, the last guy is going to be. Uh, I think J.R. Smith. Uh, I don't know about J. Maybe J.R. Smith. Uh, Iman. Um, who's another shooter on that team? I I, I forget. James Jones, Channing Fry. Maybe Channing Fry. It, it all depends, but I know Channing Frank can shoot uh, the three balls, so that could be, I would say, my go-to uh, starting uh, my go-to five on that team. You know, 
But then Channing Fry, you can always switch out Channing Fry and J.R. Smith if you need defense. <laughs> if you bring in J.R. Smith, you know. Mm-hmm. So it all depends, I think. I mean, on situation. Yeah, definitely. I mean, and Gunter had, I mean, against the Warriors, it's got to be, uh, I think, Kyrie, J.R., Love, uh, Love, uh, Thompson, and probably LeBron. I mean, just just because I think Channing Fry, although he is a good shooter, I mean, he, as you saw in the finals, he became non-existent because of his defensive uh, deficiencies. So, yeah, with that, I mean, I'm gonna go over for this Cavs team. I th- I just think uh, the continuity the continuity is really there, and Kyrie is, and Love's confidence is really high up. LeBron's confidence is always there. I think he's going to be great this year, and I just think they're going to do it, and I think they're going to be the number one seed in the East, and I think 58-59 wins, I think. I wouldn't be surprised if they got 60 or above even. So uh, with that, we'll move into the second team in the Central Division, a team that went through a lot of changes this season, acquired a lot of new players, obviously traded uh, Derrick Rose to the Knicks, in exchange for Robin Lopez and some other pieces. Uh, they just recently made a trade for Mar- Michael Carter-Williams, but obviously the biggest signing for them in this offseason is uh, probably the best player in Miami Heat franchise history, Dwayne Wade, after 13 years in Miami, comes home to Chicago. And uh, they also signed Rajon Rondo as well. So this is a really interesting team, a lot of new pieces, so, uh, what do you think about the Chicago Bulls over under forty and a half? I I'm gonna say over, but I'm gonna say slightly over. You know, maybe about 40, 42 wins, maybe forty three wins season for them. I don't see them going farther than that because they have too many. I just think they have too it's too many new players, too many different styles. You know, I mean, you have uh, Rondo, who's very. Um, He's a point guard, but he can be very ball hoggy with the ball. And then, uh, how's Wade going to react without uh, without getting the ball a lot? You know, I mean, without being able to shoot as much, how is uh, uh, Butler going to go in that situation? And it's all it's all very uh, at this point. <laughs> we just got to wait and see what happens because it's not really uh, what's the word? It's kind of uh, hard to see what will happen, or hard to say what will happen. You know. Yeah, this is definitely a mysterious team going into the uh, the season. I mean, you got uh, pretty much uh, two ba- two backcourt guys in Rondo and Wade who are not very good jump shooters who can't really shoot the three ball, who are both ball-centric. I mean, and Jimmy Butler is definitely the best player on this team, in my opinion. He definitely needs the ball in his hand. And then up front, they, you, you got Taj Gibson and Robin, Lo- Robin Lopez who are both actually uh, pretty decent defenders, athletic guys. Well, maybe not Lopez so much, but Gibson's very athletic and has a pretty decent mid-range jumper. Off the bench, you got uh, Cristiano Felicio, a young power forward. He looks had some showed signs of promise last year. Also, Michael Carter-Williams probably come off the bench. Young point guard, uh, yeah. long, long arms. And then, obviously, Bobby Portis, Doug McDermott, Nik- Nikola Miritich, I mean, their they're only three-point shooting really comes off the bench with McDermott and Miritich. Not really much else. Uh, they're getting any sort of three-point shooting. So do you see this team 
kind of struggling against uh, better three-point shooting teams like Cleveland or the Clippers, Golden State, stuff like that? I think so. You know, I think uh, um, I can definitely see them doing that because, you know, it's the thing is I don't know how this team is going to fit together. Will they be able to play defense? You know, that's, uh, that's not the key, you know, because uh, Wade is a little bit older, you know. He's getting old. I mean, he can still play a good D. Orlando's a good defender. Butler's a good defender. But then uh, I think what uh, what could hurt them is I know they don't have as much depth as maybe other teams do because they're bringing all these different guys. Uh, will they able to mesh? Will they able to um, consistently score each night? You know, that's uh, a lot of questions that are there, I guess, you know. I think their coach is still what? Uh, Tom Tuitabo? No, their coach is uh, Fred Hoiberg. Oh, Frank Hoiberg, that's right. That's not so much I know about that team. Uh, but, uh, yeah, so it's going to be interesting to see what happens with that team, you know. I mean, uh, if they can mesh together, they can definitely do go uh, pretty far off. But uh, it all depends on that, you know. Okay, uh, so it's definitely uh, forty and a half wins. I'm gonna I'm gonna go over on this one. I think forty four wins for this team. I see him as probably like a six five six seed maybe in the East. Sure. But uh, like I like we both said, I mean a lot of questions. I mean you don't really know which team which which way which way this team's gonna go, and uh, it's gonna be interesting to see how Rondo and Wade fit defensively in that backcourt because they're both in their primes excellent defenders i mean wade is probably one of the best shot blocking guards ever and uh, rondo is i mean long arms as well i mean played excellent defense i think both of these guys when they're engaged they play very good defense even still but uh it's, <laughs> it's going to be interesting to see how much they're engaged how much their bodies can take at their advanced age they're both uh 30 or above right now and then i think uh wade and ronda they'll also get easy looks for gibson and lopez down low so they're usually good at getting a uh, big man uh easy alley-oops and so forth but that'll be interesting to see and uh it'll be interesting to see how the chain of command goes now that wade is there uh, jimmy butler looked to be ascending as their go-to guy but we'll see how that goes with the the signing of wade but definitely uh, we both think slightly over. I'll go. I think like forty-four wins and fifth or sixth seed in the East. So with that, we'll move into the third team, the Central Division, the Detroit Pistons. Over under forty-four and a half. What do you think on that one? I'm gonna go about under about forty wins this season. I I don't know who they picked up. I don't remember uh, if they picked up anybody this year. I mean, they're a good team. They have young talent, but I just don't think they're. I I think they're uh, about forty wins. Just so you know, that's what I'm looking at right now. Yeah, their biggest signing is probably uh, Boban Marjanovic from uh, the Spurs. So I mean, okay. pretty pretty similar team to last year. They uh, obviously got knocked out of by the 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 champion Cavaliers in uh, four games in the first round, and but I mean they got a lot of good. Uh, Young building blocks, Contavious Caldwell-Pope, young shooting guard, obviously Andre Drummond, young stud center, and uh, Tobias Harris, a pretty good player. Stanley Johnson, a young small forward, uh, great defender, and then Marcus Morris. But uh, Reggie Jackson, their point guard, uh, is injured and out for about a month and a half, I believe. So uh, 
44 and a half wins. This is really, really tough to kind of a handicap this team. Yeah. So, I mean, but uh, all signs were pointing to uh, an ascension from this team going into this season, but uh, I don't see it. I'm going to go 43. I'm going to go under. I think they're a seventh seed in the East. And uh, you're you're going to go under as well. You think 40 wins, right? I went under on this one. Yeah. Okay. So with that, we'll move into another uh, interesting team. The fourth team in the Central Division, the Indiana Pacers, who had a lot of changes uh, to their team and their coaching staff in the offseason. They obviously fired uh, their head coach, Frank Vogel, and promoted their assistant, Nate McMillan, to the head coaching position. They uh, picked up Al Jefferson in the free agency. And... Uh, Miles Turner, obviously, their young uh, third-year uh, power forward, looks to be promising. So, what do you think on this one? Forty-four and a half over under forty-four and a half. I'm going a bit over. I'm going about maybe forty-five, forty-six wins. You know, I mean, uh, a team that has Paul George. You know, a team that always has Paul George. You got to always, you always have to bet on him. But uh, it all depends on his health. You know, he, he's back to the normal from the injury he had and I think they're they're right at 46 wins maybe 47 you know I think Al Jefferson is, is very underrated you know and I think he can work well with that team Miles Turner is definitely uh, I think this is going to be uh, another breakout year for him uh, I don't remember what his, uh, his stats from last year but I think he's going to he's going to come out pretty well good as well so I, I'm going about 46 wins this year. All right, I'm going to take the over as well. I'm going to agree with you. I think 47 wins for this team, probably, and they're probably somewhere between 3 and 5 in the East. And I, I, I think Al Jefferson is a really good pickup. And then, obviously, this team lives and dies with their star player, Paul George, like you mentioned. They're only going to go as far as he takes them. And uh, he's obviously a great two-way player, but... I have, I have yet to see, like, a full, like, legit, complete season from him. He obviously starts off, like, in the beginning of the season, first 30 games. He's always up there as, like, one of the top MVP candidates. And then second half of the season, he kind of disappoints a little, kind of falls off. So I'm really looking and challenging him to have a legitimate, full, consistent season where he's, like, a legit star. That's the only thing I'm waiting to see from him. And, uh... I hopefully we can see it this season, so we can see how far this team, Pacers team, can go. But with that, I'll go over, over forty four and a half, and I think they'll be somewhere between three and five in the East. And with that, we'll move into the last, the last team in the Central Division, the Milwaukee Bucks. A lot of super young players. Over under thirty six wins. I'm gonna go over thirty six wins. You know, I, I think uh, they were a good team last year. You know, they have a lot of young players. I don't know who they signed this year again. I know they traded Michael Carter-Williams. I forget who they traded him for. But I, I, I'm going to go over 36 wins. I'm going to say about... I'm going to go a little higher. I say about 40 win season this year. Uh, when you have Jason Kidd, who I think is a very underrated coach, I, I can definitely see them winning about 40 games, maybe 41. I'm going to take the over as well, somewhere around high 30s, low 40s. And they're definitely going to compete for a playoff spot. I'm not going to sh- not so sure if they're going to make it, but a lot of length in their starting lineup. Obviously, their star player is Giannis Antetokounmpo. 
Uh, still only 21 years old, uh, hard to believe. Uh, uh, they drafted Malcolm Brogdon, uh, signed Matthew Delavadova, probably a good bench guy for them. Uh, Thon Maker they drafted as well. So he's, uh, I mean, super young. I mean, he's a seven-foot uh, wing, wing-oriented player. So uh, it's going to be interesting to see a lot of uh, young athletic guys on this team. And obviously Chris Milston, a young, uh, solid shooting guard who shoots the three well. So with that, uh, yeah, I'll, with all that being said, I'll go over high 30s, low 40s, and they'll definitely compete for one of the last two playoff spots. So with that, uh, we'll wrap up the Central Division and we'll move into the Southeast Division, the last division in the Eastern Conference. And the first team we'll take a look at is the Atlanta Hawks, who had a lot of changes to their team as well. And they got over under at 43.5. Your thoughts on that one? This one, I got to go uh, 43.5. I know they, they, they lost Horford. They didn't want to resign him. They, uh, they picked up... Uh, 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 Dwight Howard, you know, I think they have a, uh, I think they're going to go about, uh, I would say about, uh, uh, f- I'm going to go over, but I'm going to say about maybe 44 wins season, 45 at most. You know, I think they, they still have to, I still think uh, they have to do, uh, I think they still have some ways to go uh, as, as far as like uh, players on their team. I know uh, the combination of uh, Howard and um, uh, I forget the other guy, uh, Paul Mislap is going to be a good, uh, um, a big, uh, big combo down low. But uh, I just still think um, um, I still think they may they probably just need another uh, uh, go-to player on that team that can score consistently for them to get to the upper echelon of the East. Yeah, okay, yeah. Atlanta Hawks always run into the Cavs, it seemed like, and they seem like they can never get over that hurdle. They seem like they've always been kind of that middle-tier team in the Eastern Conference, never really getting past the semifinals. They got, obviously, they got to the Conference Finals once, and they got destroyed by the Cavaliers. But obviously, the biggest, the big signing for them this offseason is Dwight Howard, obviously, coming home to Atlanta. And uh, they obviously lost... Uh, Jeff Teague, uh, to, who signed with the Indiana Pacers, and now Dennis Schroeder, the young point guard, it will take over the reins at the starting spot. And then uh, Millsap, obviously, has been very, very good the last two years. He's great veteran power forward, very versatile, great defender. And then Dwight Howard, I do think Schroeder is the best uh, point guard to pair with him for kind of that pick and roll offense that he likes to run and probably where we saw him at his best with uh jameer nelson back in orlando what do you think i think so too you know i i i think that's a good work on board you know he's he's, he's gonna do a, a whole pick and roll thing you know and i, I think uh, he's gonna be able to get uh, his points again but the problem is uh, once uh i can see a problem with howard is that once he gets to the playoff time and once teams go uh, a small ball, he's going to be able to run with the with the guys on the court back and forth, you know. And then uh, people can use. Uh, I know he's not a very uh, agile a defender, like maybe he used to be a few years back. So that can definitely pose a problem. 
Yeah, definitely. Uh, that's a great point. Uh, so over under 43 and a half. I'm going to go over on this one. I think 45, 46. And they'll probably be within the 3-5 range, 3-6 range, some, somewhere in the east. And uh, I think they're definitely going to make the playoffs again. And I'm really looking forward to see how Dwight plays, even though I think he's not really uh, as relevant as he was just because of how much the game has changed today. He's mainly uh, a center who can't really hit a jumper very well and uh, who has a very limited post game as well. So he's definitely going ha- to have to thrive on the defensive end to get uh, and then run a lot of pick and roll with Dennis Schroeder, who ha- have yet still a little bit of questions about because he's a little erratic and and uh, I kind of question the maturity if he's able to run uh, the proper tempo for the Atlanta Hawks offense and kind of control the pace of their, their team. So that remains to be seen, but without all that being said, I'll go over on that one. And then we'll move right. into the Charlotte Hornets, the next team in the Southeast Division. Over-under set at 41 wins. What do you think about that one? I'm going to say about uh, about even 41 wins, maybe about 40. I don't uh, – honestly, dog, I, I don't remember who was even on that team uh, on the Charlotte Hornets. Uh, I know they uh, they had Al Jefferson. They don't have him anymore, so I don't know. I don't know who's there. Well, obviously, uh, their, their best player is uh, their point guard, young point guard, Kemba Walker. I mean, he's obviously – the, the the big scorer on the team obviously they lost Jeremy Lin they lost uh, Al Jefferson to the Pacers and uh they obviously have Nicola, Nicholas Batum at uh small forward uh versatile defender uh pretty decent ball handler great playmaker as well on offense Marco Bellinelli they signed he's an excellent three-point shooter for them they actually signed Roy Hibbert as well who's kind of having a <laughs> kind of fallen way off uh, the NBA wow. path yeah so and then obviously uh, Michael Kidd Gilchrist for them still 23 years old, old only and uh, Cody Zeller obviously still young for them so uh, a lot of a kind of interesting dynamic uh, they lost to the Heat last year in the first round to, in seven games but uh, with that being said uh, probably f- 41 sounds right. I think maybe slightly over 42 and probably 6 or 7 seed in the East. So, yeah. Oh, well, you go push on that one. I'll go a little over. And then, I mean, not really anything exciting, too exciting there other than Kemba Walker. But not much other than that. So, yeah, with that, uh, we'll move next to South Beach with the Miami Heat over under at 36. What do you think about that one? I'm going to say over 36, uh, but I'm not going to say much over, maybe about, uh, about 38 wins this year. You know, I, I know they lost Wade. We don't know about Chris Bosh, what's going to happen, because I know it's, uh, he's still, I don't know if he'll ever come back from, uh, I forget what it was, uh, that, uh, uh, the blood clots issue. I mean, this is real. Yeah, this has really been uh, kind of a big conflict between Chris Bosh and and the Miami Heat. The Miami Heat organization kind of has dealt with this before. I mean, kind of with the Lonzo Mourning, with the kidney stuff. And then, obviously, uh, I don't know if very many people know this. Miami Heat head coach Eric Spolster, while he was playing uh, college basketball at University of Portland, he was actually the point guard for University of Portland uh, 
they were playing uh, against Loyola Marymount in the late 80s. And then uh, Hank Gathers, who was uh, probably the best player in the country. He was probably the best player in the country at the time. I believe uh, completed an alley-oop dunk over Eric Spolstra. And then maybe like two minutes later as he ran down the court, collapsed and died on the court of blood clots. So I think just that whole situation has really scarred and... Eric Spolster, I mean, that's really resonated with him. I mean, and he saw that right in front of his face. I mean, that this organization really doesn't want to take the chance. So I don't think Bosch is going to play at all this year. I think his career with the Heat is completely over. I just don't see them letting him play and get on the floor again. I think it's too much of a liability issue. But, uh, I mean, do you have any other thoughts to add on that situation? You know, I just think it's, uh, I think the team has to, like, they have to, I don't think Bosch should be playing, you know, I just think that, especially with that sort of situation, you know, with the blood clots, and you never know if he's ever going to be healed or what can happen, you know, I think the risk is just too much, you know, to be playing. I don't know what his situation is right now with the medical part, is he cleared to play or is what the doctors are saying, but I think Bosch should, uh, just pretty much, uh, um, I think he should uh, retire at a, at, uh, at a good point in his career. You know, he accomplished what he what he did. He won rings, and I think that's what he should move away from the game. You know. Yeah, definitely. Uh, I mean, um, Chris Bosh. I mean, as kind of a couple doctors have kind of told him that it's not very wise for him to play. But I mean. He's a very uh, smart, uh, well-spoken guy. So, I mean, he's kind of seeking second opinions and so forth. Um, and he really believes that he can get back on the court. So, I mean, it's really a very odd dynamic that's that we're seeing here. But um, kind of getting back to the point on if about the overall team, Miami Heat, over under 36 wins. I mean, obviously, Goran Dragic is, has a little more free reign now with Dwayne gone. I mean... He can run a little more faster pace. Uh, I think a place, a, f- a f- kind of pace that he likes to play in. So we'll see how he does. And then obviously they re-signed their backup Tyler Johnson. He got a p- paid pretty well. Uh, Josh Richardson, exciting young shooting guard for them. He's injured. He's going to miss some time. And obviously the most interesting guy on the team uh, who they re-signed as well, Hassan Whiteside, their young center, who has made it basically from nowhere to getting paid 20 million a year so uh and then justice winslow obviously great versatile defender and interesting to see how he develops on offense but with all that being said uh just a a kind of organization who looked very promising for the first four years of the decade and then has really kind of fallen off i mean fallen off drastically in the last two years i mean with the departure of lebron and now Wade, they're the greatest player probably in their franchise's history. And now they're probably going to lose Chris Bosh as well. So just uh, crazy to see how, how much has changed over the last two years. But and with that being said, I think I'm going to go under on the 36. Even though I think Whiteside will play good and they have some young, good players. And Dragic will play at a faster pace. I'm going to go 33-34 wins. And uh, it's going to be some uh, growing pains with that young team. And... I think they're going to miss the veteran presence of Dwayne Wade. So with that, we'll move into the other team in Florida. We'll go north up the 95 
to Orlando. And we got Orlando Magic over under at 36 and a half. What do you think about that one? I would say uh, I'm going to go. I think they're a young team, which has very good uh, um, up and coming players. You know, I think that you get who's on that team. Um, Obviously, they go they go starting lineup. They go Alfred Payton, Evan Fournier, Aaron Gordon, Serge Ibaka, and Nikola Vucevic. I'm going above thirty six, but I'm I'm going about maybe about thirty eight, thirty nine wins this year. I don't think too much above. You know, I think uh, bringing Serge Ibaka is going to help them with veteran leadership. You know, and I think uh, I think they definitely have the potential to do more. But I think about thirty-eight win season this year. Okay, yeah, that makes sense. Uh, I'll, oh, I don't know. I mean, this thirty-six and a half. I mean, I'm really interested to see how uh, Aaron Gordon uh, plays under Frank Vogel. Obviously, Evan Fournier. I mean, he looks to be a developing young player as well i mean who can shoot the three ball pretty good and then alfred payton uh their starting point guard i mean it kind of reminds me a little bit of rondo great defender and everything but on offense is very uh mediocre uh mario has mario Hazonia, uh interesting player to watch as well serge ibaka good veteran presence like you mentioned but with that being said i think slightly under on this one i think 35 wins but definitely a very fun uh, league pass team. Probably one of the top league pass teams in the league this year. Very young, exciting team to, that I'll be looking forward to watching if if I ever do get a, get around to watching some of their games this season. So with that, uh, move into the last team in the Southeast Division and in the Eastern Conference overall. The Washington Wizards at... 42, 42 and a half wins. What do you think? Over-under on that one? I'm going to say, I'm going to go under. <coughs> because I think they lost, uh, I mean, they have a good young core. Uh, John Wall, uh, I forget, uh, Bradley Beal, they got, uh, um, at, as their two main scorers, they did lose Paul Pierce. Um, I mean, they, uh, they lost him, um, not last year, but the year before. But uh, I still think they, I I think they there. I think they're uh, another player away from actually doing any damage in there. But so uh, I'm going, I'm going under, uh, right about even. But uh, I'm going under. Yeah, I'm gonna agree. I'm slightly under as well. Probably 41 wins, and they'll they'll be com- they'll compete for one of those last two playoff spots. Uh, Definitely, but everything for this team, I mean, runs through their backcourt, John Wall and Bradley Beal, and specifically, it kind of depends on how healthy Bradley Beal is, because uh, it seems like he always comes down with some sort of injury, and obviously, frontcourt, they lost uh, Nene to the Rockets, so, uh, I mean, even though he wasn't a very productive player the last uh, year, year and a half for them, and then... uh, Small forward, that seems like a position that they can't really figure out. They got two young guys there, Kelly Oubre and Otto Porter. So it'll be interesting to see which way they go on that one. Markeith Morris, obviously a a good, versatile player for them who will probably start out as their power forward. And then Marcin Marcin Gortat, consistent, stable veteran center for them. 
And then uh, new coach, obviously, Scott Brooks. It'll be interesting to see how he adjusts to getting back in the coaching lifestyle. But definitely, John Wall, I think, is... This team just is all dependent on how he plays and everything that he does. So with that being said, uh, I'll go slightly under, and I think John Wall will have an excellent season, but they'll compete for a playoff spot. But Exactly. A t- not a team that's really too much to be excited about other than John Wall and Bradley Beal. So exactly. with that being said, uh, what do you think? Who do you think is going to represent the East in the finals, in the two th- in the 2017 finals? In 2017, it's going to be, uh, I think it's going to be either Boston or Cleveland. I think they're going to play in the Eastern Conference Finals. And it all depends. If I were to go right now and choose it, it would it, be Cleveland representing the East. But it all depends uh, what happens in the offseason. I'm mean, not the offseason, at the trade deadline, I'm sorry. If the Celtics pick up a player at the trade deadline, a difference maker, another scorer, then I can definitely see them surpassing um, uh, the Cavaliers in the, in the East Conference Finals. But uh, but if you were to ask me right now for an answer, I would definitely say Cleveland. Okay, definitely. Uh, I'm going to agree as well. I think uh, Cleveland, uh, I just don't see them losing to anybody in the East. I think they're going to go to the finals for the third straight season uh, i just think their team is just much better than every than any other team in the eastern conference so with that being said uh really super looking forward to this uh nba season and uh always a pleasure having you on akshay thank you very much for oh, coming thank on you for inviting me, dog. thank you yeah, definitely okay so with that everybody thank you so much for listening and uh i'll be back tomorrow night with western conference over unders see you guys then